0: Hello again and welcome to another episode of College Football Down Under. My name is Aaron Kemp and as always I'm joined by Will Muirden. How is it going tonight, Will?
1: What up? It's good. I'm feeling it. Week six. You're
0: coming in hot tonight. I like it. The energy's good. Needs to be. Yeah, for sure. You've been drinking again, haven't you?
1: Yeah, a couple of glasses of red tonight, but uh, I'm enjoying myself. Single dad
0: tonight. Nice one. Nice one. Uh, we've got a massive show to get to. Obviously, week six, there's a whole bunch of juicy matchups for us. We've got news to get to, some game previews, obviously, like I just mentioned. Championship draft, bowl prediction, we go on the punt. A couple of fair dinkum statements as well. Um, and my, you know, the big thing that I want to happen again here, and, and we've spoken about this, but...
1: Some men just want to watch the world
0: burn. Yeah, I want chaos to reign again this week. I think there's some, uh, some really good opportunities for that to happen. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm almost, I almost want to make like a, a chaos, uh, a chaos match of the week or, a, or something. And that may come retrospectively, but I think we should, we can workshop something there because uh, you and me both love those games where things just get sideways on us. We've had a lot of that this year and, and hopefully that can happen again this week. Uh, not so much to the Canes, but hey, we're not in a position to... No, but they, they would the be
1: the ones causing it this week, exactly. and, and that's why
0: I know you're in and about it, and <laughs> I'm all for it too, and it's not
1: just games, like it's not one-off games, we want to see whole weeks fucking torn yeah. apart, and that's what we've seen so far, that's what the last two weeks have delivered. It's been mainly the Big 12 doing a lot of the heavy lifting, so I would <laughs> like some of the other conferences to kind of chip in and help out with that, but...
0: You know, the, SEC, the SEC have helped out,
1: the SEC yeah, have true. helped out. Yeah, that's true. Defending national champs put up uh, a, a loss to Mississippi State. who got done by a team who hadn't won in conference in 20 games. So you're right. They're doing their bit. Maybe, maybe that's setting it up for your canes to knock over the unbeatable Clemson side and really just throw this shit into turmoil. All
0: right, before we get to, into too many details around that, although definitely that is what we need, uh, we do have some news to get to. Kevin Sumlin, the head coach at Arizona, for how much longer, I don't know, but he has tested positive for COVID. What that means, not too sure, but their season will kick off in the Pac-12 in the not-too-distant future, so hopefully he can get himself right. Um, Not so much college football news. Uh, We'll get to one final point, but Trey Lance, the quarterback from North Dakota State, has declared after playing just one game for the Bison this year. He went to 15 of 30, 149, four total touchdowns, uh, two on the ground, two through the air. He's a first-round quarterback. People are making a big deal about this game. It was kind of like a bit of a show pony game for him and an opportunity to put put some film out there for the draft Knicks. Todd McShay says that he is on par with Justin Fields. Your thoughts on, I don't know how much Trey Lance football you've watched, but your thoughts on him as a pro prospect?
1: Yeah, a little bit of uh, tape I've gone back to and watched because he was getting a lot of love in the preseason this year uh, a few of the draft analysts really started pumping him up started quoting his numbers last year and When you heard that, you had to kind of go back and and check it out, and and he was super impressive. I think it was interesting to see he was probably quite disappointing in his uh, one-off effort. He was good on the ground. He is good there, but passing the ball, he was a little bit inaccurate. He he missed a a whole bunch of throws, so that's not the tape that he would want to have put out there, but he's put a line through it now and is prepping himself and will be a first-round quarterback, I'm certain. There's there's just so many quarterback needy teams in the nfl yeah but, yeah like when you look at it the play outside of the top five guys has been pretty average so i think there's going to be spots and he's certainly one of the guys who's going to have his name there
0: i think it is a strange kind of situation there we had one game to prove himself and it had to go all right and it didn't necessarily lastly houston's game as we get to the very end hasn't been cancelled this week that's positive news for um, the boys down in Texas, so Houston get to play their game, which is nice.
1: Yeah, is that. Is that an early uh, game, like a Friday night over there? Yeah, yeah. Well, Against Thursday, Thursday night. Thursday night.
0: Thursday night. Things can get weird here, but yeah, I'm. I'm sure. Hopefully, they get to kick this one away. All right. Um, A new-ish segment for us, Fair Dinkum. We get to make some statements and decide whether they are fair dinkum or whether it's an absolute crock of shite. Will, why don't you kick us off um, with what you've got
1: out of the game? Sure thing. So to lead us off with this one, I am saying that the BYU Cougars are a top 10 team this year.
0: Do you believe that is fair dinkum? Do you believe that's fair, Dinkum, or are you sensationalist journalism here? Look, oh, I'm a little bit sensationalist. No,
1: I, I, I think from what I've seen so far, their tape has been impressive, as impressive as anyone else. I, I think, and I don't want to kind of steal too much of your thunder here, I they obviously haven't played anyone, and they're not really going to get a chance to do that. But from what I've seen and from the play of their quarterback, uh, who is shaping up to be a Heisman candidate. This is certainly a side that I would have knocking on the door of a New Year Six if they can just keep blowing teams away.
0: Absolutely. Uh, uh, Zach Wilson is the guy you're referring to. Uh, but I don't think it's just been necessarily the offensive side. Whilst he's putting up prolific numbers, he's, he's moving the ball on the ground. They run that true, honest-to-God spread system. Uh, and he's able to do it through the air and on the ground as well. But it's been their defense, actually, that has been really, really impressive. They actually lead the nation in total defense, only giving up 214 yards per game, uh, BYU. And again, like you said, their their rap sheet, their resume is not going to be outstanding. But you keep putting on that really, really, really good tape like UCF did for years then there's an opportunity there for you to push up into the top 20 top 15 I mean if the chaos continues to reign around college football the way it has and they just run the table clean you can't but you can't not put them in there I don't think
1: yeah for sure have you heard the nickname for Zach Wilson I have not the Mormon
0: Menzel (laughs) that is so bad it's i think it's good because he is
1: true dual threat he's exciting that's brilliant he's
0: he's truly a mormon
1: well there is that and on that one i'm starting to think that the team is looking so good because they've been spared from this pandemic crisis because the one with the golden plates joseph smith (laughs) was right that is the right religion and and sorry for offending any of our religious listeners out there but i'm starting to think that that might be the one that
0: we should be following because they are looking really really good Dude, you need to watch some more South Park. If you think that that's accurate, then you need to watch some more South Park. Which the is Book of Mormon
1: was brilliant
0: show. Oh, that was so <laughs> funny. That was one of the best things I've ever seen. All right, uh, I've got one. So I'm actually saying, yeah, fair dinkum. I'd give them a crack. They are going really, really well. If they get over Boise, for sure. All right, for me, like Bryce Love at Stanford, Travis ETN made a huge mistake by coming back to school this year. Uh, in terms of some numbers for you, over th- and I, don- I know it's only three games, but it's not like they've played anyone big name yet. But three games, averaging 6.2. His next worst over his college football career was 7.2 as a freshman, where he only carried the ball 107 times, which isn't a huge workload. Uh, he's only had two touchdowns uh, at this stage, which is on pace for w- also worse than his freshman year. Despite the fact that he will have uh, like three times the amount of carries from his first year of college football. So not a good start for Travis Etienne, but he made a huge mistake coming back.
1: I do not believe this is fair dinkum. I, I cannot get behind this. Uh, and, and it may not be for the reasons that you think. So for mine, I think your college education and your college football career should really mean something. And, and it shouldn't just be a ticket to a payday at the next level. I really like the guys who value the program that they're in and buying into and trying to win national championships because you only get, at best, four playing years there of your life. Like, that's it. There's Once that's gone, there's no coming back and enjoying those years and that time. And whilst there certainly needs to be a business element of it in certain circumstances... Particularly for running backs. Particularly for particularly running backs. For I, running I still think he's a guy who even if he continues at those numbers, which are far from pedestrian, by the way, like that's solid. Maybe previously they're propped up by an out-of-conference game where they just run up on, you know, a really, really trash team. Now he's had to jump straight in conference. You don't get that boost. I I think that the the balance is there for him where he, he's backing himself in. He's still going to be uh, a top three-round guy, and and that's not... Based on talent, that's just positional value and and how that's kind of decreased. Same as if he had have gone out last year, he would have been. Um, But he he now gets to enjoy this year, which is going to be a bit crazy, but make memories for the rest of your life. Like you, you only get one shot at your college education and I think that needs to be valued. And like, yeah, you can probably put a dollar figure on it, but for mine, it would be a really high value. So I can't get behind that statement.
0: All right, there you go. Uh, not fair, Dinkum. A crock of shite, as Willie's saying. Okay, let big, me let me
1: uh, let me go one more fair Dinkum statement right. here for you, because uh, I know how much you love the Big Twelve. I do I know love how the much big you like getting into them, and you know, rightfully so this year. So uh, I'm going to throw this one out there that TCU and K State this weekend will be a better spectacle than the Red River rivalry.
0: You've just bowled me like a, a real doughy half volley outside off here. Um, I'll probably I've chop seen, it on to be Yeah, honest, I've but. seen your cover drive. I'm not too worried. <laughs> uh, yeah, I 100% agree. I think the storyline there is far more interesting. I think the matchups are far more interesting. We'll get into those later. I think the Red River Shootout has got the least amount of relevance this year as, as I've ever known it to have. And these teams are a bit of a mess and they feel a bit of a mess. It's not like they're just having a down patch and there's actually question marks and people don't have answers for the first time. And it just feels a bit off, particularly... And you can you can pick lots of different things from either of those two teams in, in Texas and Oklahoma. But this game, this Red River shootout, which I know is is the marquee matchup probably on the Big 12 calendar needs to not be this week like let's actually give credit let's give time let's give interest to the schools that really matter in the big 12 right now because it's not texas and it's not oklahoma so uh let's focus on the k-state tcu game because that will be far more interesting it's going to be far more relevant and uh yeah i think that one is the one that we should be locked in on yeah cool man All right, let's get into some game previews then because we've got a lot to get through. And as always, we push this clock really, really tight. Uh, We're going to start in the ACC only because this is game day and I'm always hesitant to talk Miami. Obviously, being a Miami fan, I don't like to dive in too much because I can get lost in some sort of diatribe. But we are going to start there this week. This may be the only opportunity we get it. But number one, Clemson are hosting the number 17 Miami, uh, there. firstly, before I get started, and I'll actually handball to you very quickly here, but there's said to be a massive storm hitting South Carolina in the lead-up to this one and during this game, so it should be a weather delay probably, but wet, wet, wet. Um, so that is something to keep in mind. But your thoughts on this one jumping in? A massive
1: you. weather storm. One might say a hurricane. <laughs>
0: That's good, isn't it? That's that's good gear. That's really,
1: really good. No, so I'm really, really looking forward to this one. Uh, Miami have been a a really good, fun team to watch so far this year and to see how they can shape up against the might of Clemson. Like They're a team that I haven't watched a lot of because their games aren't all that interesting because they win so much. I, I like watching Trevor Lawrence play because he's a pretty human being and he can throw the ball better than anyone else at the college level. Fun to watch. So to see them go head-to-head with a really competitive defensive unit that likes getting after the quarterback of Miami, and then also on the flip side of that, to see Miami's dynamic offense that has been putting up points, that's been leaning on the run, that's not going to be able to push around the teams like they have in the lead-up too, to see how that plays out, to see if we can get something special from Derek King, who is a talent. Like He's proven that, at the college level time and time again, he's come in and he's blown up to be everything that we could have hoped for, I think, in this program. Like, it, it could have gone two ways. It could have been a step up in uh, level of play for him and it'll kind of get a bit big and it'll go a bit Miami for him where he just turned the ball over a lot and, and didn't really look the part. But that hasn't been the case. And, and he's a big reason... Him and a decent offensive coordinator are a big reason why Miami are inside the top 10 all of a sudden and and a real challenger in this match. So, I mean, this is without a doubt a game that every college football fan should be dialing into. It's on at a good time for us here in Australia, so I'm really looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, well, staying on the Rhett Lashley and Derek King, I think that's going to be where the game is won and lost. They get to go against Brett Venables, who's probably the best defensive coordinator in college football and has been for three, four, five years now. Uh, But I think this Clemson defense doesn't look quite as hot as it has in the past. Wake Forest threw for nearly 300 yards. Virginia got 270 on them. And I think particularly on the back end, they missed Tanner Muse, who was a really, really good um, middle of the field safety. And you, and you miss Isaiah Simmons as well, who obviously, you know, he's played everywhere and did all that stuff. But you miss him. Instead, you replace him with Nolan Turner. Now, Nolan Turner caught that big interception against Justin Fields to ice the semifinal last year. But he is a fraction limited. I think Skalski in, in the middle of that defense at linebacker is really good. He's smart. He's a fifth-year senior, I think. Certainly a senior. And he has the ability to read and diagnose very quickly. But again, he's somewhat uh, limited athletically. And I think that's where the plays can be had, especially when you look at Brevin Jordan and Will Mallory, who are really, really tough matchups. If you don't have good safeties and good linebacker play against two athletic Good um, tight ends. Life's going to be tough defensively, and I think that's where the game can be won and lost. Yeah, you uh, just you
1: just asked Oklahoma that last week. Uh, <laughs> Iowa State had
0: two good athletic
1: tight ends, and they showed out. So yeah, it's it's good it's a good call there, my friend.
0: On the other side, just quickly, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, he is good. He's going to go. You know, he's going to get the ball out quick with that RPO game. There's a few question marks around the O line. Uh, Travis Etienne we mentioned at the top of the show but he hasn't been fantastic this year and part of that is to do with his O-line struggling to get any push um, I am concerned about Miami's linebackers against him on third down when it's in the box or in the receiving game because Travis Etienne is a good back out of the backfield and Miami's linebackers aren't great as well I think that that's the weakest position on both teams Uh, They're going to get upfield. They're going to try and be disruptive. They'll hit gaps, but they're sometimes the wrong gaps. And Travis Etienne, his ability to cut uh, Trevor Lawrence and his ability with misdirection or rollout uh, play action is going to get these Miami backers in some bad spots. So they're going to be disruptive. Um, the other thing to worth note, or to, that is worth noting, is the horrid way in which Miami came out after bye weeks last year. Losses to Florida International and Virginia Tech, who weren't that good last year, came after the bye weeks. So it'd be interesting to see if they have tidied that up. I'm expecting a good close game. I think Clemson's offense will be a little too consistent, and Miami's defense might make some splash plays, but they're going to get chunked against at times. And I think Miami probably cover this one, but that's what I want to see. You want to see your team progress and, and be competitive in these games because I think the the, sc- the last two times uh, the Canes have played Clemson, I think the score is 96 to three. Um, so we don't want that to happen.
1: So progression should be easy then.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and a lot of people are saying like, that's a real soft-shouldered approach, go and win the game. And yeah, cool, do that. But let's look competitive. Let's let's do it the right way. Let's not try and live. I mean, I'll take a win any way you can. But you'd like to go out there and be the better team.
1: Yeah, I I just think you've really set yourself up here with some of your commentary around uh, Travis Etienne that he's now set for 200 (laughs) plus all-purpose yards, three scores. Obviously, like he's he's going to dominate this game.
0: (laughs) Obviously, yeah. We'll see how that one goes. All right, moving right along, number 19 Virginia Tech head to number eight North. Carolina. Uh, North Carolina five and a half point favourites in this one. Uh, I don't know really what that means. Um, but both teams have only played two games so far this year. Uh, Virginia Tech were comfortable last week against Duke. UNC had to battle their whole way. So I think the unpredictability with Virginia Tech is going to be the big issue in this one. Are they getting players back? And if they do get them back, should they play? Um, which makes game planning difficult. But uh, I also think that you know, maybe some consistency would put North Carolina here as probably that responsible five and a half point favorite. Now, talk to me about UNC because I know you're not enamored with them.
1: No, I'm not. I, I'm not. But off the bat, I will say that this line does feel about fair. Like I, I was kind of expecting it to be a little bit of a larger number. I mean, North Carolina are playing at home. Uh, they, Virginia Tech have not looked good so far. They, they haven't looked bad, but they haven't come out and been a settled team. They look like they've really been impacted by COVID. The numbers of dudes that they've had unavailable so far. Will have an impact on things like they're going to be either still missing guys or having people cycle through who are getting their first action for the year, still in week six of the season. So, like, you, <laughs> that's unbelievable. Yeah, there's got to be concern with that. But even with that said, I would take the Hokies in this matchup. I, I think north they've beaten uh, North Carolina the last four times they've come up against them, which is not saying a great deal because North Carolina were struggling for a little while and really only came back into re- relevance last year with a, a good season under Mac Brown. But still, they do seem to have a bit of wood over them. Uh, I'm bullish on this Virginia Tech team and... Uh, North Carolina are going to be found out somewhere. I believe it'll be this week. So I'm, I'm happy to ride with the Hokies on this one.
0: Yeah, and I think the Hokies have got to ride Khalil Herbert, who had 200 yards last week, and, and he needs to have another big game, I think, for Virginia Tech to get over North Carolina here. I think you'll be able to get some plays against them. Sam Howe has been solid, and again, you know my... Thoughts on him as a quarterback. I'm not going to bury him again here, but he hasn't set the world on fire. Three touchdowns, three interceptions. Uh, not that great. Diami Brown has been the most reliable weapon on the outside, but Michael Carter at running back has probably been the most impressive skill position guy for them so far. Uh, but gee, if you're UNC, you just have to. You got to win this game. You got to strike while the iron's hot. Players missing. A disjointed start. Is Hendon Hooker going to play? Is he not? Sam Howe needs to play well and and put this offense over the top. Otherwise, he's going to fit in my basket with Joe Nix as just being a a mediocre quarterback. And and I'll have to find another soundbite for that, which I don't want to have to do, Sam Howe. So sort your shit out. Um, But UNC, you've got to go and win this game and probably win it by a touchdown. I don't think they do. I think I'm taking the... I'll I'll take North Carolina win, Tech to cover.
1: Okay, and I'll, I'll take uh, Tech to win.
0: Yeah, right. Ooh, there you go. Other games in the ACC, Florida State, are at Notre Dame. Uh, I don't think there's too much to report there. Uh, oof, that could get messy
1: early. Yeah, I mean... It, it... If we're talking chaos, there's maybe a spot there. Like, I I honestly can't see it, having watched both of these sides play.
0: You'd have to be quite chaotic for things to really get off the hook there. And I don't think Notre Dame's the fifth best team in the country, which is where they're ranked at the moment, but Florida State are just that bad. They're that bad. Um, Pitt are at BC. Pitt may have played themselves into irrelevance after their display last week, and this could be a sloppy, dour affair again with two defences that can hold up and two offences that are spotty at best. Duke at Syracuse. We won't spend any time there. I think the other interesting game of the week could be NC State at Virginia. Virginia came off uh, an unspectacular but somewhat competitive game against Clemson last week, and NC State... Um, got their win in probably unexpected fashion against Pitt. So I think this one could be an interesting and, and can NC State back up a really good effort and and output, I suppose, in terms of that win over Pitt and then be able to, to do it again against the Virginia team on the road that is probably the favourite in this one.
1: Yeah, they are. I mean, they're getting nine and a half points, Virginia. So they... They weren't bad last week, but NC State are still a team that I have very little faith in. Oh, even, for sure. Even though they showed out and, and managed to get the surprise upset last week, they're, they're just, there seemed to be a, a step back. Uh, that last year was disappointing. I, I can't see that turning around for them. It's certainly not one that I would uh, ask people to get up early for, unless you're a, a diehard Wolfpack or Cavs fan. But um, no, I I like the Virginia Cavaliers in this one.
0: Okay. I probably wouldn't touch this as a betting perspective, but uh, the last game is Louisville at Georgia Tech. Again, nothing to really discuss there. I expect Georgia Tech to throw a whole bunch of interceptions and Louisville to run train on the Jackets. All right, let's move across to the Big 12. I've talked a lot of ACC football, so you're going to do the heavy lifting here. We are going to start with the number 22, Texas Longhorns at the Sugar Bowl against a 1-2 Oklahoma Sooners team. This has to be the most underhyped Red River shootout in my memory. The loser is out of the Big 12. Oklahoma are staring down the barrel of a 1-4 record in their last five games with their only win against Missouri State. Texas have the better quarterback, wide receivers running back at the moment. They lead the nation in scoring, averaging 51 points per game. Give me a reason why I don't just go all in here on Texas.
1: I mean, Oklahoma are a favorite in this game. <laughs> and and that's an interesting one based off of what you've just said there. Uh, so the thing that I'm a little bit concerned of is this game has a propensity for the underdog to win it. Like yeah. uh, go- going back, it's one of those classic rivalries where, you know, oh, you have been stronger, and then Texas managed to steal it. Or when Texas were looking good, Oklahoma were winning it. it. It was the underdog who seemed to be getting out on top of this one. So that's another one to tick in the on the Texas side of it. Um, but that said, I, like I'd write off these Sooners at your peril. Like yes, they've had just like last week, obviously. Well. Like, it will be at my peril. I've written them off. I'm certainly not getting around them. I'm still feeling the pinch of that in my pocket. I've been eating noodles all week. Thanks, Oklahoma. But, uh, yeah, like, they will still put up points. And against this Texas defense, they're going to put up a fuckload of points. Like, defensively, Texas have been woeful. You've said that they've scored the most amount of points, yet still... They had to pull something right from deep up inside their anal cavity to get out that one against uh, Texas Tech. Tech. And then they've lost to TCU in a game that they could have won. Like That could have gone either way. They got down to the goal line, fumbled, yeah, whatever. But they're, they're just giving up so many points, and Oklahoma will be able to score. Spencer Rattler is a young player who now has, what, three starts under his belt, he's going to get better. Yes, he hasn't looked like an elite, polished product yet, but that's because he's not. He will get there. You, you can see that the tools are there. I'm, I'm certainly not writing him off yet. Uh, but against a, a, a
0: soft defense?
1: Like, they're,
0: they're both soft defenses. Though. like This is the thing. Like I agree with you. Texas defense isn't good. I 100% agree with that. But Oklahoma at this stage have got six sacks and 18 tackles for a loss. In terms of plays behind the line of scrimmage, that upset rhythm and tempo for teams, they're the kind of disruptive plays you want if you're not turning the ball over. That sounds good, but four of those sacks and nine tackles for loss occurred against that Missouri State team that we spoke about before. So that leaves, in two other games, two sacks, nine tackles for loss. In in their two Big 12 games, that is not going to pay the bills. And Oklahoma went to absolute water uh, against, well, both of their losses, but particularly in the second half against Iowa State, I think Sam Ellinger has an absolute field day. If Skylar Thompson can put up 334 yards through the air, then Sam Ellinger is going to absolutely crush it. Yeah, they're going to give up points. Absolutely. I don't disagree with that, but Spencer Rattler's interception prone. He's He has them in big moments. Their running game is averaging 3.6 yards per carry. They have not overcome the losses of Kennedy Brooks and Trey Sermon, uh, lack of experience in the backfield. I am all in on Texas here. Like, absolutely.
1: I like it. No, like, I'm with you. I think Texas win this game. If you have to have me pick Ellinger or Rattler, I'm going with the experience QB every time. Mm-hmm. He, he is a great college quarterback and he's certainly going to put up yards and points, as you've said. Uh, and, let's say this does become a shootout and they are trading possessions. Yeah, but they're trading possessions, you know, into the fourth, then that pressure starts to ratchet up. And, And I believe Sam Ellinger is a guy who can will his team and continue to do that and make sure that they're punching it in and scoring seven. Can't say the same about Spencer Rattler. So I'm with you there, mate. Hey,
0: there you go. Look at us. Um, Yeah, I think that's pretty much wrapped. I mean, we can keep ragging on these defenses (laughs) if you want. I know Texas hasn't been good. I know Oklahoma's been good. But I actually do like the Texas linebackers, at least athletically. Joseph Asai and um, Damarvian Overshone, he was okay getting some pressure. They're going to have to get some more pressure on Spencer Rattler. But I'll come back to that in my bold prediction. So let's move on. Texas Tech head to Ames, Iowa. Your thoughts on if... Texas Tech can make any noise in this one.
1: No, I mean, do we know if Alan Bowman's back for this one? I haven't we, I, I
0: haven't seen yet, no.
1: Okay, because he, he's super important to that uh, Red Raiders offense. He, he's a slinger. We like him here at this show. He, he can put up numbers, doesn't really care about tight squeezing it into tight windows and the ball getting picked off like he, yeah. he just gets after it so i like that uh but on the flip side of that iowa state showed that they're a good football team and and matt is a good football coach they they should be uh solid favorites in the in this game and are uh, and i think that for them to go up against one of the Worst defensive teams in the conference of you know one of the worst defensive conferences, they're going to be able to put up <laughs> points too, uh, and and, and, and yeah. there's a bit of a mismatch there. So uh, Brock Purdy still hasn't found his groove this year. Uh, you'd, you'd think with them knocking over Oklahoma that he would have had a big day, but that wasn't the case. Like he was he was solid was without solid. being yeah he was solid without being fantastic. It was more as uh, Brees Hall the running back who yeah, was a live wire for them. Uh, and, yeah. and I think, you know, you're going to they see...
0: Charlie, they've got Charlie Kohler back at tight end as well, which is and, good.
1: And, yeah, their tight ends look good. As, as I mentioned earlier, uh, the mm. the Iowa State tight ends look like they're dangerous matchup options. They're athletic and they, they sit down in zones well and, and find themselves space. So I, I really, whilst I wasn't enjoying it from a financial standpoint, rated what I saw from Iowa State there. Uh, so for me, if, if Brock Purdy can continue and, and kind of get back to where we think he probably can be, they win this one comfortably for mine.
0: All right, we won't hang around too long. I agree with you. I think Iowa State win this one. Moving on, Kansas State are at TCU for the Big 12's most entertaining game of the weekend. If we start with K-State, the Skylar Thompson and Juice Vaughn combination has been electric so far for the Cats. I think Max Duggan has been better for the Horn Frogs at QB. Uh, he did some really, really good things last week in that game against Texas. And their performances to date have been very similar. The teams are averaging 33.5 and 33.3 points per game. I know it's a little bit early to be kind of jumping into the numbers too far, but those they're obviously scoring almost identical. Uh, K-State are giving up more yards defensively, but they're conceding less points. So, A bit of that comes with a bit of luck and turnovers and field position and all those sorts of things but i know you like gary patterson and i know the tcu horn frogs have had a couple of down years and i've been off them i haven't watched them as much but i was really impressed with their game i'm i'm really impressed with um that 425 mixed coverage defense and just watching that again last week in the big moments he called the right plays and and got sam ellinger where he didn't want to be and I think he can scheme a way to keep Juice Vaughn quiet and for, for the Wildcats to be forced onto the arm of Skylar Thompson, which may or may not be a good thing, but at least allow or make the receivers win the game. Make Briley Moore the tight end, make Chabaston Taylor um, have big games and win the game for them. Um, can TCU back up the Texas game or do K-State keep rolling?
1: Well, we don't even know if Skylar Thompson's going to be available for this one. So he was knocked out of the last game with an arm injury, and his status is still unknown uh, at this stage. And I think that one is really a huge factor in this. So if he plays and he's good to go, then I have this as a line ball contest. Uh, And and at the moment, uh, TCU are giving uh, getting nine points, giving nine points away. So. That's uh, not close, uh, according to the bookies, but I I think from what we've seen from K-State so far that this one could go either way. Yes, TCU are at home. Yes, they're coming off of a very impressive victory against Texas, and their only other loss being looking better now being against an Iowa State team that we thought after their week one...
0: Meltdown,
1: yeah. you know, was a terrible loss. Now, actually, that's not looking so bad. Uh, TCU could genuinely be contenders in the Big Twelve. They win this one, and then they kind of put their their foot forward to say, "Well, it's them and Oklahoma State who are really running and looking like the the teams that are going to be competing for it." So, a lot of intrigue in this one. I honestly have it. I'm I'm hoping Skylar Thompson gets up so that we can see that go down. I mean, behind him, there's only true freshman Will Howard who they're expecting to go in, and that's that's going to be a recipe for disaster to go against that <laughs> Gary Patterson defense, uh, and and the mixed looks that you'll see there. Yeah, it it won't end well. But I'm backing him in to get it in, and I actually like uh, Kansas State as a, a sneaky upset bid here.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, I think, like you said, the the Skylar Thompson thing has to happen. I think for K State to win this one, so I will agree. But I'm going to take TCU regardless. All right, in the SEC, which means they're definitely going to lose because I feel like every time I get back into the bed with TCU, uh, they just they let you me down, risky and that's it. And then we just fucking fall asleep. Anyway, <laughs> uh, in the SEC, they as we head across or. Yeah, we do head further east. Uh, Probably the most interesting games sort of across the conference this week. We will start with number four, Florida, heading to Kyle Field as they take their crew of Kyles uh, to the number 21, Texas A&M Aggies. Florida didn't look as good last week, but A&M didn't really either, but nobody does against Alabama what are your thoughts on this one? I know I've got my opinions, so I'll, I'll get to those in a second. But is there any way that Texas A&M are actually really very good and will be competitive against a higher-powered Florida offense?
1: I, I think there's an opportunity here from what we've seen Florida perform defensively. They have not been great so far. And and that's normally what we see from Florida sides uh, of old where they're, they're super strong on the defensive side of the ball and then offensively they're a little skeptical and, and can let themselves down there. This time around, their offense is looking like an elite unit and, and Kyle Trask is looking like a real Heisman contender but defensively, they've been given up points. And, and I think that opens the gate for the Aggies in this game to potentially make a contest of it. And then from there, who knows? Like They've got enough dudes there. I, I've been really disappointed with this team so far. I You know I was big on them in the preseason. I know things really got shaken up for them in a pretty rough way with the uh, schedule Change from what they had originally to now having to come up against Florida after playing uh, Alabama is that, that's a tougher, as tougher double down as anyone's going to see this year outside of the teams going to the national championship. So um, I actually don't mind Texas A and M in this one. I, I, I'm this is the last time that I'm going yeah. to, to fit on this. Otherwise, I'm, I'm so far off the wagon, but you know, fool me thirty-four times, shame on me. I'm I'm backing in the Aggies to make an effort of this and cover at least cover uh, the the seven points that they're getting at the moment. So keep it within a touchdown and, and maybe even sneak a victory.
0: I feel like I feel like Texas A&M for you, if, if T C used my limp wristy, T C uh Texas A M is like the late night text. Hey, watch up to like, and it's, you're it's like, It's not yeah. even that. They're, they're, they're <laughs> the, like, the wife beater
1: with, like, the mustard stains on it. And I'm just kind of, like, in the corner, just like, it's all good. Uh, like, I'm, I'm
0: okay. <laughs> um, I do have a few numbers I do want to get to, because you mentioned that the Florida offense has been good, but their defense has been down. And I think, like you said, Kellen Mond has an opportunity here because Florida hasn't generated turnovers. They concede 48% of third downs, which is not good. And the Aggies are actually well up there in the country in third down conversion. So that's all pretty good and in playing into the A&M Aggies' favor. Florida have also given up 471 yards per game to SEC opponents so far. And like you said, I think this all means that Texas A&M will have success against the Florida defense. The only issue is that Kellen Mond is your quarterback. And because of that, you will probably move the ball at times. You'll look good at times. There'll be times where you will look terrible. So I saw the Gators. I don't know what you had them at. Minus five and a half? Uh, I got it at seven here in uh, front of me. Okay, it's blown out a little bit. but uh, And the over-under is only 57. Now, without stepping on toes here, I would take the Gators at minus seven. And I'd take the over as well because the uh, Mullen-led Gators have averaged 35 points per game throughout his entire tenure. Uh, so that means you only need 22 from a and which I think you can manage. Uh, but I, I think it goes beyond that because I'm just so not impressed with AM. I think this one uh, gets well beyond that seven point line. For sure. Sorry well, for stepping on your gambling. No,
1: take. I mean, yeah, I, I don't like it, but that's that's okay.
0: All right, number 14, Tennessee head to Athens to face the number three team in the country, the Georgia Bulldogs. To me, this one feels very similar to the Clemson-Miami game. And that is you've got an established superpower in Georgia and a once perhaps quality program that's screaming to be relevant again. And they just want to prove that they can hang with the big dogs for the first time in maybe a long time. So I see a lot of comparisons with that game here for Tennessee. And the Vols have got all the momentum, uh, but I think that comes to an abrupt halt this year. Georgia's defense is too good. They're stifling and strangling and just completely throttling teams to the tune of eight points per game, less than 250 total yards per game. Whatever happens on the offense for the Georgia Bulldogs will be irrelevant. They could start me at quarterback. Uh, We would only need to score probably 14 points and that will be enough Uh, I don't think Tennessee have got enough shots in the chamber to fire. Ty Chandler's a good running back. He's going to have to get going because if you put the game on the arm of Jarrett Guarantano, then that's bad news for the Vols. Cade Mays gets added to the offensive line for Tennessee, and he is going to need to settle this line down, play solid from start to finish, lean on the run game, and hope you're there at the finish.
1: Yeah, agreed. Uh, I think... Whatever the over-under is in this one, take the under. Like <laughs> Georgia just don't get scored on, and then they'll get out to two-plus touchdowns, like somewhere around that margin, and then just Still take all the, the air ball. out of it. Yeah, exactly right. And, and then just go all Tom Brady on it, and it'll, it'll <laughs> be... Good reference, eh? Hey. Uh, uh, yeah. It, it, I think this is kind of the anti-Clemson-Miami game where they're they're both got very similar storylines, as you said, but one's going to be really exciting, and the other one is not. (laughs) And I'm sure we'll probably look back at this next week, and this will be an absolute barn burner, and everyone (laughs) will have liked it, and Clemson's going to win by 900 points or something. But (laughs) I, I, I just see that Georgia are a much better team than Tennessee. I think last year they handled them quite comfortably, and whilst Tennessee have improved, I think Georgia are probably better this year too, and they certainly haven't improved enough to close on the gap that they had last year to even make this a tight contest, like a
0: two-touchdown um, contest. I think Georgia's offense is better than last year's? I think they got a better offensive coordinator, but that wouldn't be hard. But DeAndre Swift not there... Yeah, and Jack losing
1: Jack from absolutely. They've taken a step back there, but that defense is is certainly right up there. And I think they're they're gonna as an all round team. Yeah, they're comparable, perhaps.
0: Okay, uh, Arkansas head to number thirteen Auburn, who may be the most overrated team in the country. Uh, if Auburn, Jesus, I mean, have yourself a get right game. <laughs> For the love of sweet baby Mormon Jesus and all his little archangels or whatever they have, like, get it together here, please. My boy, Joe. (laughs) Any thoughts on the Arkansas-Orban game?
1: Uh, Not really, to be honest. Like This is one that, or any other week, I think there might be a bit of intrigue, but everything we've been through so far, there's a there's a fuck ton of interesting matchups and, and stuff going on that, that you're going to want to be watching into. So Arkansas Auburn doesn't really land on the radar.
0: Okay. Number two, Alabama at Miss. Speaking of a game that yeah, maybe for the first quarter might be interesting with Lane Kiffin against his old boss, I suppose, in Nick Saban. Uh, I don't know. What what are you after here? I'd like to see a competitive highly fought, and and I've... You know, lauded my praises on Matt Corral for his feistiness and competitiveness last week. And I'd like to see him not back down against Alabama. If they can keep it, you know, close for a half or, you know, into the third quarter, I think that would be considered a, a, good, a good result for Old Miss in what is the third game for Lane Kiffin.
1: Yeah, this is another chaos spot here. Like a real true chaos spot, like Lane Kiffin coming back into town to just absolutely blow shit up and set the college football world on fire. Uh-huh. I yeah. think, I, I think that um, he can certainly do that with this one. Will it happen? Almost certainly not. But if he did, it would be one that I would really, really enjoy. I mean. Ole Miss were impressive in their outing against Florida. In like, th- th- they did better than both of us expected. That that most people in the world expected, I think. And I think that's probably another one along these lines that you know that they potentially get a good result where they look okay and they don't lose by twenty one plus points, but at no point are they really really in the contest.
0: All right, Mississippi State head to. Kentucky, now this could not be more polar opposite. Well, it could be slightly more polar opposite in philosophies, but Kentucky going to look to run the ball. Uh, Mississippi State obviously are going to air it out with their air raid, Mike Leach, KJ Costello. I think the big question here is, is the secret out? Is the formula out for how to beat Mississippi State? And can Kentucky control the ball on the ground, play good defense, and just, again, choke the life out of a Mississippi State team that's in desperate need to prove that they're not just a flash in the pan and that this thing can hold up in the SEC.
1: I'm not sure that the secret's out. I think it's just the air raid and, and how it's played is one of those ones where, as a defense, you are going to have opportunities. Things are going to be made available. There's going to be tipped balls. There's going to be picks that you can make. And if you take those opportunities and then ultimately convert them for scores or get yourself good field position, then you're going to be in a great spot to win the football game. But if you don't, and if you defensively kind of go the flip side and let them hit some wide open guys because they're going to be streaming down the field then you're going to get burnt badly. So it's really tough to make a prediction on which way it's going to go because it does come down to a number of key moments in any given game where, you know, a drop pick could go back the other way and completely change the dynamic of it or like like, you know, if you take it then it does, if you drop it then the next play goes over your head and it's it scored the other way. So that's kind of the nature of what I expect to see from this Mississippi State team in here. I, like I'll back them in a lot of games that they're underdogs and then fade them when they're favorite just because <laughs> that that's the sort of shit you're going to see.
0: So who are you taking in this one? Like gun to your head? Uh, like Mississippi I don't know where the, I don't know where the line I don't know where the line sits. I'm assuming Kentucky are going in favorite.
1: Yeah, Kentucky are relatively short favorites in this one.
0: I I think I'm going to take Kentucky. I think their defense is going to be too good. You watch Mississippi State just pour it on now. But I'm going to take the Wildcats. And The last game, which we're not even going to think about talking about, and that's Missouri at LSU. Missouri suck on offense. LSU bounce back, um, but are in real danger of becoming an irrelevant operator this year. So it would be interesting to see if that, Mississippi State loss out of the gate continues to haunt them moving forward. Yeah, Mississippi, uh,
1: uh, sorry, Missouri seem to be a team that struggles to get some limelight even when they're good. Like Even when they're doing well in the SEC, they're a team that you barely ever hear of. And now they're struggling a bit. They, they could go the way of an Arkansas where they're really just kind of a bit of an afterthought.
0: Well, they were, well, I said we're not going to spend time on this, but I think that the reason for that, after all that stuttering that I just did, (laughs) uh, the reason for that was they just played like really good defense. Their offense was stodgy and slow and boring, and they played good defense, a bit like what Georgia did last year, except they were ranked in the top four and Missouri never were and they're winning on down years. Anyway, let's move across just to the one non-power five and that's in the Sun Belt. Louisiana and Coastal Carolina play off as the two unbeaten teams in that conference. So that is um, a big matchup for those two teams. Um, I'm taking Coastal Carolina in this one. Go the Okay, I'll take Chanties. the Ragin'
1: Cajuns. Ragin' Cajuns.
0: All right, let's move this bloody little parade on it is championship draft time now you are in really really good uh i guess you've got some really good capital strong capital behind you and even if you don't have that you've got some money in the bank right well yeah no n-
1: neither of those so i <laughs> i had an absolute stinker of a week last week i bought ou thinking you know i was really buying in heavy on ou last week and it fucking came back to bite me in a bad way. So uh, my investment of $8 uh, in Oklahoma drained my account, so I have $0 to buy anyone else with. <laughs> they promptly decided to turn themselves worthless uh, by dropping out of the top 25, so they're now worth nothing. Which They'll not, finish back-ranked by the end not, of the year. Well, you, you think, <laughs> but...
0: I don't know if they lose this week.
1: Could be in real trouble. Um, they're, they're, they're done. So I do have Cincinnati who are going good guns and on bias. So I can't lose. Awesome. Uh, Notre Dame who play Florida State. So I don't know. That's better than a buy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> App State who are worth nothing and probably going to struggle to get back in the rankings. And Virginia Tech are the one that I've got to make a decision on. So they're playing okay. against North Carolina. Uh, I've got them for $7. So a bit of a yo-yo. Bought them for 6 then the next week they were worth nothing, and now they're back worth seven dollars. So, it's it's the same thing too. I, I think if they beat North Carolina, they're gonna jump right up and be you know in and around the top ten. If they lose, they'll be unranked. So, it's it's a volatile stock, and I like it. I'm not selling. I'm gonna I'm gonna hold onto them. Uh, so for mine, then I've got no money. I need to pick up some stocks for free. Uh, Looking at the list, my 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 squad is lacking class. Like Notre Dame and OU, are big names. uh, So I need another big name in there. I'm going to grab USC. Uh, They're they're unranked at the moment. Uh, USC. I'm going to throw them in the mix and go like full old school Notre Dame, OU, USC. (laughs) Like if we if we were running this competition like 30 years ago, I'd be fucking killing it. But uh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's where I'm at this week.
0: Okay. Um, I don't know what to do. I, I've got two clams in the bank, and I'm not spending anyone that's in, spending anything on people in the top 25. So I'm going to look to bring in someone who I think can be ranked. Now, the, the obvious ones are K-State is the next best, so they need to win. But I'm, I would be picking a maybe Skylar Thompson playing Kansas State, or I pick TCU. I'm going to avoid either of those, and I'm going to expect that UCF run the table the rest of the way. Um, and finished ranked. So I'm going to take the Knights, please, William.
1: Sure thing. I will add them into your stable of uh, Clemson and Ohio State. Pretty (laughs) good. And then, (laughs) yeah, Georgia Tech and Baylor.
0: And two bucks in the bank as well. And two bucks in the um, bank. Now, we know at this stage, based on rankings and movements, that these teams that aren't ranked at the moment are probably not finishing inside the top 10. Um, at this late stage. I would have to run the table and look really, really good from this point out. We're seeing more chaos than ever, mate. Let's not rule it out. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right. It is time for some bold predictions. I still don't have a, a sound drop for this, mate. Sorry about that.
1: Yeah, that's all right. I should you... get
0: myself organised, but I don't. Okay. Well,
1: well, we'll just roll into it then. Do you want me to kick off with the bold prediction this week or are you going to lead us in? No, you go. Okay, well, my bold prediction for this week is, like, the the whole chaos has been the theme, and I like it. I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to say that it's the SEC's turn for turmoil. So, this week, we are going to see some shit blow off in the SEC. We are going to see either Florida or Georgia are going to lose. Ooh. So, one of those okay. two... One of those two teams is going to go down. And then we're also going to see two of Auburn, Alabama, or LSU to go down to. Some men just want to watch the world burn. <laughs> you got it,
0: my friend. So, I mean, <laughs> uh, not, that, not with a huge you're level. You're going to have to keep track of this because there's a lot going on here.
1: Yeah, there's a, not a huge level of confidence. It's, it's more wishful than anything else. But um, I'm just expecting upsets of all the big teams in the SEC this week.
0: Okay, uh, I kind of had that as one of my bold predictions, but I'll give you my other one, uh, and that is Rattler. Oh God, Rattler rattled, which is hard to say. Uh, it's not really, but um, okay. So. Along my vein of specific things that I think are going to happen, I wanted to pick something that I actually believed in more. I still want it to be specific, but I want to believe in it more. I honestly didn't think that A&M were going to get close in any of this stuff. So um, here's what I think is going to happen. At some stage in the Red River shootout this weekend, there will be discussion from commentators um, or whoever that Tanner Mordecai should enter the game and that Spencer Ratlow should get the hook. Now, whether he does get hooked or not uh, doesn't really matter, but that discussion will take place. From there, Spencer Rattler will lead a fourth-quarter drive to tie or lead in that fourth quarter, and on that drive, he'll have a really bad turnover, a sack fumble or an interception or something. (laughs)
1: This is a terrible bold prediction because neither of us are going to be watching this game. So we're not going to know what the commentators are saying. I'll watch this one.
0: I will watch this one. What time is this on, by the way? I I think it's an early one. Historically, it's always been a noon noon kickoff. kickoff. Actually, I will. I will get up and watch this one because I've got some stuff to do in the morning before the Miami Clemson game. So yeah, I'm definitely watching this one. I'm going to be making up commentary. (laughs) <laughs> all right, the other one that I did have was Chaos Continues to reign, which is two of Georgia, Clemson, North Carolina, and Auburn will lose. And they're all playing at home and playing against teams that are either lower ranked or not ranked at all. So um, I had something very similar to yours. Cool. Which if it comes in, I will say, yeah, I, I said that. But if it doesn't, I'll be like, yeah, well, I was handballing to you. All right, uh, let's push on to our favorite segment, I think.
1: Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Talk. Here comes the money. Money money money, 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 money. money, money, money. Here we go. Back again another week. Uh and and this time uh tails not quite between our legs, but it's not up. It's kind of like it's just a downward tail, I would say. Uh enough enough of that poor analogy. I've <laughs> Gone back to our let it ride thing. So obviously didn't work out for us uh, last week with Oklahoma getting done for the first time since the nineteen sixties in uh, Iowa State. So we are revisiting this one, uh, but I'm getting out of the Big Twelve for my sure thing. It's it's <laughs> not a good it's not a good place to be there. Let's go to the ACC where things are steady, where you know where people stand, and where you know. Shit teams lie, and and I'm sorry, Georgia Tech, but that's what you are. You are a shit team, and Louisville will comfortably handle you on the Saturday. And I've also I don't have a lot going on on Saturday, so this kind of really gives me some interest in this game, so I can yeah, okay. I, I can dial into it, which you know shouldn't be guiding any of this. It's just truly a game that I think Louisville will win. So they're only getting. Uh, a f- like what is it four four to seven points somewhere in that range I, I got them at a $1.52 to win so I'm just taking them to win I've got nine units there so we had 11 units left over uh, for those of you who were playing at home after
0: last week's big if you've still got any money if you've been playing please get in touch if you've been playing this whole way through
1: yeah, Jesus well, I mean, so we, we made money on the upset pick and I think we're now, we've gone three for three on the upset picks of the year, which is pretty impressive. Oh, so, good. Th- So that's not bad. That's what gave us these 11 ones there. Uh, so nine of that is going on Louisville and then our two units on the upset pick this week is the Kansas, it State, gonna be? The Kansas State game. So uh, really backing in Skylar no. Thompson to get up. <laughs> But, uh, no, you're getting, you're so getting you're just f- diving back into the Big 12. You exactly. can't help yourself, can exactly. you? Exactly, but I'm going the flip side. I'm going the upset because no one knows who should win there. And, and I think this is a line ball game. Like I, I really think it could go either way. And you're getting $3.70 for uh, Kansas State. So those that's juicy odds. We'll chuck a couple of units there and hopefully continue to pick these upsets.
0: So those are your two picks for this week. All right. Uh Wow. Well, get ready to lose a whole heap of money there again. A couple of well, that I mean, that pretty much brings us to the end. We do have a couple of notes on the way out, but as always, make sure that you do hit us up at Twitter and on Instagram and on Facebook as well at CFB Down Under. Um, we're starting to generate a little bit more momentum this year. It was a bit of a sluggish start, but we're starting to uh, get all arrows pointing up, which is nice. Please make sure that you do subscribe to the show. Hit that uh, subscribe button. Uh, make sure, you, and if you can, leave us a review on iTunes uh, as well and leave that five star. Really helps us out as we continue to keep all our fans involved and abreast of all the things around college football. Uh, and we will continue to uh, keep providing content because we enjoy it and uh, we do thank all our supporters for doing so. So, on the way out, I do need to make sure that I mention a couple of things. Firstly, The Tampa Bay Rays tied up their series against the New York Yankees, one all, which is good in uh, some American League baseball. So that's fantastic. Secondly, uh, for us, and this is kind of pertinent to us because Thursday night, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers play the Chicago Bears. Now I've heard so much about how horrific the Chicago Bears are and Will's fandom for them, um, but they play Tampa Bay. So I think it's time for a little wager on this particular rivalry on Thursday, William, because I'm coming up to see you on Sunday, so it is time to put some sort of lunch slash beverage bet on the line. I'm not big on money, so and I don't have any, but if we can like, you know, I'm seeing you Sunday, so we could do like a lunch and beers thing, like that could be a thing.
1: Okay, yeah, I mean, I like that you pick the year that Tampa Bay are actually half decent. <laughs> like there's been plenty actually there hasn't yeah there hasn't been plenty of opportunity but it's uh real convenient for for this to come up at this point but at the same time i am a degenerate gambler and i'm certainly going to step up and take this wage so yeah let's say the uh the loser puts on our spread for uh the clemson miami game
0: yeah perfect okay well, on behalf of that guy up there in the frosty Adelaide hills at the moment, which is a little bit of a shame, um, that is Will and My name's Aaron, and we will see you next time.